I live by the 75% rule. So usually I, I give myself 75% of stuff that's set in stone that I know is going to stay in place. Then I leave about a 25% wiggle room for things that can change on the fly. You're at home with the cousins. Hey guys, welcome back with the project planning series behind us. This is our first brand new episode of 2019. We are talking to Brian Patrick Flynn today, who is the lead designer for HGTV Dream Home 2019. This project was an absolute beast. If you don't know yet, it is in Whitefish, Montana. It is over 4,000 square feet, and it is perfection. The guy did an absolutely incredible job. Brian is super, super talented, really detail-oriented, and you will hear in this episode how quickly his mind works and how much he has on his mind in order to accomplish these things in the time that they need to be accomplished in. Um, in the show notes, there are links to uh, to try and win the Dream Home 2019. You have up until February 18th to get your submissions in, and you could submit up to two times a day. I highly, highly recommend it. With a prize pack over $2 million, it is definitely worth it. Um, there are also links so you can check out all about the project and, and see what it is that you're trying to win. And of course, we've got links to all Brian's socials. So without further ado, let's jump in. I guess to start, like, what's the latest with you guys? What kind of stuff do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we want to talk about Dream Home with definitely, you. Definitely, um, Before we do that, though, um, I am... 99.9% certain you are our first repeat guest on the podcast. He is. Oh, he is. That is that is like that's incredible. That's like I don't know, that's like Sally Phil's winning two off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something really like excited. that. Something like that. <laughs> Close to that. Close second. Close second. <laughs> um, no, man, everything's good on our end. Um, you know, we've got we've got the Ellen um, the Ellen project is coming out uh, next week. We actually fly to LA and we're launching the, the build up on her show on the 20 on the 30th it launches um so we're real excited about that um you know they're just finishing the edit now and we're doing a, a few last vo's and whatnot but um really really pumped for for that to come out and then we've just got uh got a few other projects we're we're milling around over here we're prepping for kbiz and and all that good stuff and you're so anthony you're in jersey city right that's right john where are you I'm in, so I'm in the suburbs. So it, it, Bergen County, I live in Franklin Lakes. It's about from Jersey City. I am like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Wow, that's so interesting. I totally would have figured you both lived in the city. Like, I, I would have thought that maybe. Maybe like maybe like some your family was in the suburbs, but John, I totally figured you were like maybe in Hoboken or something. I used to live in Jersey, so I lived in the same building with Anthony in Jersey City, a building that that we had developed uh, a bunch of years back. But then once I got married, I started having kids. Then I went to the suburbs, and the town that I live in is the town that Anthony grew up in, and that town is next to the town that I grew up in. So the area that I live in is is where we both grew up as kids. And Franklin Lakes is where the Real Housewives. We were see, first, see, Brian. See, we I, were first. Everybody says that. <laughs> I love that. It doesn't matter where people are in the country. You know, you, you're from Atlanta. You're like, oh, the Real Housewives. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, that is. Uh, if if nothing if nothing else, it helps geolocate where we're from. 
Yeah, that is good enough. And also, put it on the map for people who've never been in New Jersey. Exactly. So I want people, you know what I want, Brian? I want people to be like, when they hear Franklin Lakes, to go, oh, that's where John Collinari is. John Collinari. Oh, oh, John yeah, Collinari's there. Right. I don't want I don't, to forget the Real Housewives. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, so the, the Ellen thing for you guys, like, that relationship's been going on for, like, a good five or six years, right? Because back when you had, like, you know, Cousins on Call and all the different series for HGTV, that was still, that was when you started, the relationship started, and you would go on the, the talk show, right? Yeah, yes. correct, yeah. So this will be our uh, 11th appearance with her on uh, on Ellen. We we started we started during Kitchen Cousins days and we that was our first like full house reno we did for her in five days for a, a fan of her show that was like the first partnership that HGTV did with her I think or the second um, I don't think the first one went very well but uh, we came through <laughs> we stayed up late and we made it happen and um, and they were really stoked about it so we that that relationship just kind of you know, uh, grew and grew and, and now we're on our second, um, original series for her. So it's pretty, we're really, really excited about it. That's major. And I've, I've been, a, I've been in TV a long time. I actually went to college for this. So I'm, I went to school to be a television I'm a producer and I, I don't get starstruck because over the years I've, there's been so many people involved with projects that I've worked on that right. I just, I've seen like the whole cavalcade of people who come with people <laughs> and entourage and stuff. Yeah. But I true I truly think that I would be starstruck if I met her just because she just seems like such a remarkably respectable person who's been so positive for so long. So I'm sure you guys like enjoy every minute being with that team. For sure. Yes. You know, one of the things that, that is interesting because I, I can totally relate to what you're saying with the entourage and the energy and who, who's always on I will say though she has a calmness about her that is really I have not seen with other people like what just like I was saying like when you see when you see other celebrities like they're on and it's almost like they have to have this switch that's on so that they can just get through all the the public facing, you know, niceties or whatever it may be. She is just like super calm. She's herself and and she just, you know, does her thing. And I think that's why even when she has certain guests, even people from like the audience or people that of course aren't celebrities, that's why they they just kind of say whatever they want and they look relaxed because she does that to them. She does make you feel very relaxed in that chair. And I'll tell you her her audience, that is that is like no other talk show that I've been to. It's it is a lot of energy. There's a lot going on. It's well, it's like triple the size of any other talk huge, show. And it's huge. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's a ton of people. Ton of people. Wow, it's so interesting to hear that because like when you're somebody that high profile who's running a show that's been on for you know, like 15 years or so now, and you've got all these brands and all these product lines, and then you're a guest host or a guest judge on stuff like American Idol. You know, you'd have to have really thick skin, and you also have to be super organized. But the fact that the person that, that per, a personality can stay calm and make you feel kind of make you feel calm being around them—I mean, that that shows the authenticity of the person. That's right. why I've always yep. been such a huge fan. Like, I feel like most people aspire to be that authentic and that positive, and she just she just nails it. Yeah, for sure. Did well, you check out her uh, Netflix special yet? Um, yes. Wait, no. No, I the, didn't, the new stand-up one. She's got the new stand-up one. It's pretty funny. No, but I, I did watch another Netflix um stand-up by this incredible Australian um comedian from Tasmania, and her name her name is called The Net, and her name is Hannah Gadsby. I saw and that. I, I, I saw haven't the, seen that one. I, I didn't watch it. I saw like the preview for, because I watched the Ellen one. That it tells you like you know all the comedians you should watch, and that that popped up. So I, I did. I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, well, what I what I love about it is I feel like she's inspired this whole like all these newer comedians who are coming out that have this really fresh 
observational humanity, <laughs> observational humor right. style. But but she's she's opened up this whole new line of comedy where it's never insulting, like it's never mean. It's always just kind and. And actually, a lot of the projects you guys have always worked on have always, especially the book, everything is kind of kindness based. And that's really what I'm all about, because on the Internet, it's just it, it seems like most people. Number one thing for people to do on the Internet is just be nasty. terrible, nasty, and, and nasty. And it's like you guys have always been like even just I guess I hate the term brand, but you guys have just always been. Like it, it just seemed nice. Like this, there's even like with social media, there's never any posts that are like sarcastic or rude, and it's refreshing because most people just go to the dark side when they get on the computer. You know, it's easy because that that's that that's easy. But even like Ellen Ellen stand up, the, the you know what's cool about it is it is, and if you talk to if you I've I've read some other like comedians and they give their insight on it, it is the old school way of doing stand up. It is she talks about situations. She talks about people's personalities. She's not a swearer. She's not the, she's not the person looking for this big over the top kind of like in, in your face comedy. It's it's her. And and that's ju- that is you can tell that's just how she is. That she has she has that humor in everything that that she does and it's and it's real and authentic. And it you can't fake it. And no, you like, can't. Even, even relating this to HGTV Dream Home. So one of the things that I love about having this job, so there, there's two HGTV giveaway series that I'm the interior designer for. It's so HGTV Dream Home and HGTV Urban Oasis. Yep. And one of the things that I learned working on higher profile gigs like this one and similar to the ones that you guys do with Ellen or all your series and spinoffs that you had on HGTV is our jobs first and foremost when you're designing for the camera or renovating for the camera you're renovating for an audience and you're trying to put together something people will enjoy for entertainment value, but you're also trying to put together something that will cater to a mass audience. You don't want the design to be way too specific. Correct. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned with HGTV dream home is depending on the location, I always want to make sure that the surroundings are the most important thing because I want people to sign up to win the house and I want them to enjoy the lifestyle that comes with that particular city or town. But what I've learned to do after I finished my job and I've worked with all the different awesome advertisers and partners and all my amazing executives who I love and my team, once I finish the project, I don't read anything online that has to do with comments being involved. You shouldn't. You shouldn't because you know somebody's going to say something just is, just sucks. They're going to be like, oh, why'd you, why'd you pick that color? Or you went you went with that countertop color? Oh, my God. What? It's like, come on. Give me a break. Give me a break. break. And the thing that really baffles me is like, like there's, it seems like you could do a lot of good on the internet. Like I've used my, my, I've used my Instagram as a way to share for self promotion because that's what it's for social media, but always never in a way I don't post other people's photos because I specifically, and I do, which is okay. I go to people's sites all the time to post inspiration photos. because I think that's actually really good and helps other people who Mm -hmm. can get seen and you're praising other people's work, which is positive. But, in my world, what I do is HGTV Dream Home is presented to me each year with a new location, and now we're doing new builds. We used to do remodels, and I get to know the city or the town first. I end up living there for about two, two and a half months while I, while I install prop style, art director, do the videos and the photography. But what I do is once I'm done with the project, I wait until the sweepstakes is over and see how many people signed up to win. And I have learned to just let my – to run my – like my interior design for the – life based on metrics i like to look at numbers and see hmm. hey there were there were thirteen thousand people who had recommended they'd love to see a hot pink bedroom and then all of a sudden if it's just numbers based and it's not opinion based it's so much easier to swallow so what's really different about my job with hgtv dream home is 
I'm, I get to have this phenomenal job that any designer in the world would be so ecstatic to have, and I am, and I'm grateful for it every day. But, and what I do is I try to make sure that each house is fresh and it fits the environment, but I don't want any cliches. So when I first got to Montana, have you guys been to Montana yet? So I've actually spent quite a bit of time in Whitefish. Um, I have a buddy. Seriously? I have a buddy who went to the University of Montana for college, and um, and we've gone out a number of times, going hiking in Glacier National Park and Lake McDonald and Flathead Lake. So how, I've how been I've been away? all around that that area, and we basically do road trips you know, through there for like seven days at a time. Um, so I've been to, I've been to Whitefish twice, I think. And each time I was there for two or three days apiece. It's awesome. It's an awesome town. How far away from the bear? Was that the, the trip that you saw the, the bear when he was, mm-hmm. I mean, you were like yep. 10 feet away. Yeah. But that bear was in, was in Glacier. That was in Glacier. So, we were, so like it's an hour, hour and a half drive from, from Whitefish. But I mean, to own a home an hour and a half from Glacier National Park, which Sick. is, easily one of the most beautiful in the country i mean whew, it is incredible and that downtown area with all the with all the uh the bars and shops it's just so cool over there it is it's a total dream world cause yeah it, you're, you're you're it's like you're a western actually, town right like it's so cool yeah it, it makes me think of like things from like like the late 1800s yes just exactly like, up, up, updated like the beauty's untouched the it's actually only from, from door to door, so it's a ski-in, ski-out location, and the house was built from scratch. This is the first time in the history of my interior design career, which is 12 years strong now, that I've ever built that, been involved in building a house from scratch. I've always oh, been involved in remodels, so this was a whole new take. And So, it, wait, when, Bri, did you enjoy it more f- uh, from scratch? I did. I never thought I would because I've always loved remodeling because remodeling sure. has always been such a huge part of my – it's what I've always done. Right. And I've never been involved – um, with a house from the ground up, but I actually think it might be more affordable to build a house it, from scratch. I, I can tell you, emphatic. <laughs> so we've done the numbers. Um, you know, our our construction company was a one hundred percent restoration company, and I'll never forget one of the old timers who worked for us. You know, we were we were all bitching about a job one day, and he goes, "You know what they say, right?" And I was like, "What's that?" And he goes, "It's much easier to give birth than it is to resurrect." And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> That's really poignant, bro. Like, That's a good quote. You know, and then when you look at the numbers, it, it it definitely it definitely you know stands by that little saying, and it's it's really interesting. Um, just the uh, you know kind of like if if you have a good architect and a good project manager, you know, I think ground up is much more paint by number. So long as you follow the plans and stay on task, everything's going to fit where it fits. Where you know remodels is. You take something down, you uncover a cut beam, you uncover a chaseway, you uncover, you know, a disaster of electricity. There's so many things that can go wrong that you have to solve on the fly. There's no other way to do it. And that in, comes with it with an inherent cost. An added cost. And not to mention the stress and the anxiety. What happens <laughs> yes. is it's like, it's like a square peg situation. Because let's say that you're hoping to do one particular look in a room and have a window go here and a window go there. What I hate is the minute you open up any wall, you are going to find a surprise. And I have this $5,000 rule. I have every single room, if there's a surprise, it's a $5,000 surprise. And by the time you've done <laughs> seven rooms, you, it's like you can't, you can no longer afford the pool. Oh, shit. You yep. know what I mean? Like, yep. like, for example, and it's always things you'll never see. Like, it's, it's, it's walls that aren't plumb, or it's some type of plumbing situation inside the wall that could potentially be a disaster. And so, mm-hmm. what I've loved about this process 
in Whitefish was building a house from scratch that really fits the Montana lifestyle, which is absolutely perfect weather for all four seasons. I, I, as you guys know, I got married in Antarctica, so I love cold weather. Yep. Right. So and what I love about Montana winters is, is this, is a, this is a ski in, ski out neighborhood. So Bear, who was my builder and I, as we were working together, developing the whole house and the look of it and the feeling of it, what I what I'd realized is that the cave the ski the, the cables like the that you go up and down with your ski what are the that's called chair the lifts? ski lifts yeah yeah the lifts. chair lifts yeah those are those are actually on the street so like holy this house, shit that's awesome I know that's awesome this is a true ski in ski out like if you are a well skier, when you were you, when you were saying ski in ski out neighborhood because I was watching your stories the other day I'm like what the hell does he mean like I get what <laughs> ski in ski out is when your house is on the slopes but. What the hell is this ski in, ski out? That's and, and insane. Then, and how how far are you actually from the? Is this house actually from, you know from the mountain? It is. It's fascinating because there's all these different chairlifts that you can go on there at the at the main I've resort, never seen which is that. about. Never it's. Seen. I would say one mile from the house is where the actual base lodge wow. of the resort is. Okay. So, okay. So the way that the neighborhood is set up is instead of sidewalks like most of us have, they have there's there's this there's these wide areas in the front of all the people's front yards that are just plowed snow, so that once oh, you decide once you decide to when God. you're done skiing, you could just kind of cross country ski and walk back to your house. It's Holy incredible. Cow. So it's this I've never seen a lifestyle like this before. So what happened is my team and I have been working on the house for so long. We finally finished. We just did a brand new pro, a new a new like secret project there at the house last week that we wrapped, and we decided. We were waiting for our floral to, because it's so cold there. We had to have our wholesale floral shipped in, so we were mm-hmm. waiting for the floral, and we were waiting for our food props to come from the local, uh, the local bakery. So we're like, "Here's the deal: we we need to see what it's like to actually ski here." And and I've been skiing as a kid many times, but the rest of my team had never been skiing. So they, but we did. Um, our builder brought us, gave everybody a quick lesson. We wore helmets because we know that that is very. It's very. You should wear a helmet if you've never been skiing, but the most especially out west, especially out west, because it's it's not oh. it's not easy. <laughs> It's not easy, and there's so many trees, and you're so high. But the thing that's so special about this particular house is once you learn to ski, you can either you can basically just you know you can do a nice like ten minute hike to the base lodge, and then never worry about parking, or you can you can drive you know you all your neighbors can drive to the place, get go on the slope, spend the whole day out there, and then the, when we built the house, we, we thought about summer and we thought about winter and spring and fall. So when the ski season is over you still have this incredible dry beautiful weather with all these colors so once you start looking at the house my favorite room in the entire house is a great room because it has agreed i was that's one room i want to talk to you about cuz that is phenomenal L- love so, everything about it i'm so happy with that room yeah. at first i knew that there would I, like i told you before i'll never read the comment sections because no you're never going to hit 100% with the internet so I looked at a lot of the houses in Montana with our builder and saw what a lot of the modern mountain houses looked like. And they were very gray. They had a lot of concrete, a lot of steel. And I love that look. But when it comes to HGTV lovers, they don't really love one look. They love traditional. They love modern. They love eclectic. They love casual. So I had to make sure that each room in the house like catered to all different types of design styles. But in the great room, I thought it would be smart to actually, like, I, all the walls in the ceiling are covered in a shade of gray that won't really detract from the view. But when you look at those images, you'll notice that all the windows in the main room, they stack all the way back. So in most of the images that are online, when the weather is beautiful from, like, May till 
October, the windows, it's basically like you're living outside because that wall disappears. Yeah, because you, you have the bifold doors. The bifold doors open up. You go right onto the deck, and it's, yeah, it's it, literally the outside is inside. Exactly. And um, what I didn't want, I wanted to add some color there because it's the most colorful place in the, in the, in the, the couch. country during the, yep. in the autumn. And so the colors that, that were jumping out at me last year before I decided, before I designed the house, I did a bunch of research to see what the exteriors of Whitefish, Montana looked like in the fall. And it's like bright orange, bright yellow, and like lime green everywhere. So what I decided to do is take that color that you see in the fall. Because you're finally going to close that those those bifold doors once fall comes. That's it. Into the forties. So I decided let's take that color that you see outside and introduce it inside. And all of a sudden, like that in in the fall, that backdrop of the colors changing becomes like one huge orange canvas. That is incredible. And then also, like you know, orange is a kind of a hard color to work with, but rust tones, which have a lot of brown in them, they're a little bit more earthy. Yeah. And uh, that's the reason I did that. And then the moose has everybody talking. So that's. um, I'm assuming you noticed, you guys noticed the moose, right? Oh yeah, but yeah, for sure. Every question I so, want to ask you, you're, you're yeah. Well, so going two, two, two quick things before John jumps into it. One, the squeaking in the background is Rossi going nuts on his toy. I apologize to <laughs> Brian and to everyone listening. I'll do my best to edit tried, it out. I, I tried to rip it away from him. No, then he'll just bark. So that that's a losing battle. And number two, with respect to people on the internet, Brian. I mean, I I wrote you a couple of notes on Instagram when I first started seeing pictures. You fucking knocked it out of the you park. Did. There is no. <laughs> argument on that and i would bet dollars to donuts that any negative comment is by somebody who doesn't have the ability the style the taste to execute something of this caliber which is like so ridiculously layered so complex such huge formats you know that that the comments aren't worth reading because if you can't if you can't accomplish something like this and you're just tearing somebody down to tear somebody down, you have you have no business making a comment to begin with. Be, before we get into, because there is design, design questions, but something that I want you to, maybe if you could elaborate just a, a little bit, you don't have to go crazy because I know this is a, a long process of the entire build, but you were, when you said that you were with the architect and the builder, as a designer, you were involved at the beginning with with, yeah. with with everything because I think people always ask us that right they always say should I have my designer involved in the actual uh, you know layout of of you know of the entire house should I how how intimately involved should I have them they don't know but you were there from the beginning and I think that helps of course save money time and get the look that you want at the end of the project. Oh, for sure. And a lot of people might argue that having a designer or a decorator involved in the beginning might be actually putting the cart before the horse. But the way that it's super helpful, especially from a financial standpoint, budgets, is space plans. Like, I, I most people, I get a lot of direct messages from people saying, I don't understand why the sofa has its back to the view. Well, you never want to open the front door of a home and really be walking into the back of a piece of furniture because it's, yep. not, it's not visually welcoming. Like, it's basically, it's kind of sh- visually shutting you off. Correct. So, um, number one was I didn't want to mantle at all. So when we were first meeting, um, I told the builder and the architect, they, they kind of already on the same page anyway, because they're, they're incredible. But I, I, I was like, I don't want to do a mantle at all because I don't, I don't want stuff. I have a feeling most people these days are trying to, especially with the popularity of tidying up, which is that incredible series on Netflix from the Japanese. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it, it really changes your life. So, yeah. um, I wanted the house to be more about the architecture and the view instead of like a lot of things. So anyhow, 
being involved involved from the beginning saved everybody a lot of time and money on materials or drawings because i was like i'd rather have nothing here except the floor to ceiling material on the fireplace and also as far as the space plan goes i don't want to walk into the back of the sofa so i'm going to do an l-shaped sectional that faces the front door and then the other thing was um, as far as the walls go in montana they usually do this really beautiful super textural knockdown process which you guys understand the process way more than i do because you guys are more involved with building yeah but um, when, when it comes to paint, a lot of times I want the paint to really showcase the way it would in most people's everyday home in anywhere USA. And um, in a perfect world, if we weren't if we weren't building this house specifically at HGTV Dream Home, I probably would have loved for the builder and architect to have gone more crazy with a lot more knockdown all over the walls. But the problem is, you know, most people don't have knockdown walls. They may they may, they may not understand how to apply the paint. Yeah. I love the idea of the walls being a little bit more smooth and a little more flat. And then also, um, in Montana, a lot of times they don't use door casings and they don't use hmm. uh, they don't use base mold because yep. a lot of times they will just take the drywall all the way down to the floor and then they have a little bit of a one inch recess all the way around just about four inches above the floor. And interesting. it's interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it before, but they usually do monochromatic homes. And the reason they don't need to trim is they don't need a separate, a stopping point for color changes. Well, so, that's what I was going to ask you. Cause of course I can see and, and it's, you know, of course on, online it's, it's hard to see some of it, but it looks like almost all the ceilings were were painted the same color as the walls, and and you did that yeah. in a majority of all of the rooms. Yeah, I did it in every single room. I do it in real life too. And one of the reasons being is a lot of clients at first when I'm putting together the the, the mood boards and color schemes, they'll be like, "Wait a second here, I, I don't want to have a blue ceiling." And for some reason, all they start to think about is the fact that if the walls are blue, the ceiling will be blue too. And the problem is. When you walk into, there's two different. I look at ceilings in two. Well, different I want to say, could you tell people? Do you do you give that advice? Because of course, there's high ceilings in this house. This is this is a, like you said, this is a ground up. You guys definitely made higher ceilings than than your normal eight foot. You can see the vaulted ceilings. Do you tell people it doesn't matter if it's vaulted or not? You just like to do that. You know, that's that's I think is where people might get a little confused. Yeah. So the the, the rule of thumb for me is. One of the largest spans of solid surface an entire house is always going to be a ceiling because you're not putting furniture on it. You're not putting rugs on it. So you're just going to have this massive space. And if you're in a really dark room and you need to bounce light around, then I'm all about keeping the ceiling bright white. It really it logistically helps with the lighting during the day. Now, okay. if you're if you have 17, 8 foot, 21 foot ceilings, vaulted ceilings, sometimes if, if they're left white, they can feel so tall that they can like impersonalize the room so my rule is i i always love to paint tall ceilings the same color as the walls and if that freaks out the client or the homeowner too much if the color itself is too bold i usually do it about 60 percent or 40 percent less than the actual paint color by the time you apply it to the ceiling you don't really notice it's a little bit lighter oh interesting Mm -hmm. Um, oh okay but it actually when when you look up close it is because a lot of people get scared it'll suck up light so yeah i always the other thing is i usually also paint my trim the same color or a few shades darker or lighter than the wall color unless it's a historic home with absolutely incredible trim that can never be replicated but yeah i don't really like to leave ceilings white unless the walls are white as well my i i uh i learned about doing trim that monochromatic way from my mother she she's the first one that that I saw do that and absolutely loved it. And she just she she still kept the semi gloss on the base and then did the same color in a matte on the walls. And just that change in sheen, but the exact same hue was just super super rich. 
Oh, and it's subtle. Like, and yep. the other thing, other thing now at 42 that I've noticed is I, I love, I love making a statement no matter where I go, but there's a time and a place for statement rooms. And if it's a room that's going to be super high traffic and you know, you're going to spend the majority of your waking hours in it. A lot of times I like that moment of excitement to be something that's easily removable as opposed to, for example, one of the most talked about rooms in the house of HGTV dream home 2019 in Whitefish, Montana is going to be what we've been calling the library bedroom. It's the one that's just painted red. red. And mm-hmm. Yes. Bookshelf. Yep. Um, that is guest bedroom number two, which is meant for people who are coming for short periods of time to visit you. So, if right, you're not that's more sleep- like a that's more like a we're going to have a dinner at a restaurant, not our own dining room. Exactly, we're staying in a hotel, right. not my every night bedroom. Right, and if it was your every night bedroom, I have a feeling a barn red could eventually be something you'd be like, no, it, it might not be serene enough. But it's a, if you're going to have a guest over for two or three nights, you might as well. Make the room special. And it's wow, yeah. it is. It's absolutely it's cool. Incredible, it's really man. cool. I love all all uh, of the um, color blocking on all the books. I mean, it's really it's it's it is a wow room. It's a room that really your guests will never forget. Yeah, and you won't get tired of it because you're not in there all day. You're you're not you're not you're, 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 if you own the home, you're never going to be in that room. So it's never too much. And the other thing, the other big risk that was taken here in the house is. My most used color in my entire portfolio is black. I, all, um, so my main house that I'm at literally like 65 days a year is in, in Atlanta in an area called Buckhead, and my entire exterior is black. Almost all of my interior is white. And then our weekend house in the mountains, the exterior is all black. Almost all the interior is white. Um, but majority of the times um, for clients, I, 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 I tend to do a lot of black rooms. I love the, I love the black rooms. Yeah, and we are... did want – we did one in HGTV Dream Home this year, and um, it was one. It's one of the rooms that still has a killer view, but it's it's not it's not as spectacular as the other killer views in the house, and it had a ton of natural light. So, it's a color called Caviar by HGTV Home by Sherman Williams, which is a shade of black that has a little bit of brown in it. So, the fantastic thing about black rooms is there's really no true black. Every black has some type of under. Um, there's there's some other color mixed in with it that shows based on the na- the light that you're getting. So right. the room here. In the morning, when the sun like really starts to blast that room, people walk into it. They'll be like, "Oh, I'm staying in the brown bedroom." But then, if that person arrives like at five o'clock at night, they're like, "Oh, I'm staying here in the black bedroom." They don't <laughs> yeah. realize yeah. it changes colors. So, I also like to use color at HGTV Dream Home to teach people like how to use it and like you know how to use it effectively because not everybody's comfortable with a bold color, you know, in, in a room that gets a lot of traffic. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it takes a lot for people to be used to it. But I think and that's why I think this house shows so well, because nothing feels overdone here. And it's most of the time, I think people's hang ups are before something's done and it's in their head. Like you look at a red bedroom like this with the paint on the walls. It looks amazing. Standing in a white room or a, or a raw sheetrock room and wrapping your head around. Yes. Putting be- red on the walls or red on the ceiling. That I think is the hardest part for most people. When you show it to them the way you have here, it's like, oh yeah, no shit. Red room. That looks awesome. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's also another reason that when it comes to interior design for professionals like yourselves and myself, one of my biggest rules with my clients is I always try to have my installations happen when they can be out of town on a trip because what happens is <laughs> you don't want to see the mid process. No, nothing. <laughs> like one of the things you said before is the whole layering and the complexity of it all. Like a, room, a, a well-designed room is layered and packed with complexity. Also has personality. There's also timelessness and things that won't have expiration dates on them. But what happens is even I never do it and you guys don't because we do it all the time. But when somebody walks into a room that has simply just been painted and there's no rugs, no art, no light fixtures, 
they will flip out and be like, this blue is too blue. But they don't realize six hours later, once window treatments come up, a rug goes down, two pieces of art go in, and a few textiles get thrown on furniture. That bright blue is now kind of like a gray blue. And it just... I just I never want people to come into a room until it's until it's totally done because they start to second guess everything and it takes agreed. the fun out of it. Totally, yeah, hundred percent agreed. Yep. Well, when you when you went through because like you said, there's a lot of different rooms here. You have a red room. You have I'm looking at the bunk room. I you know you have the the great room. There all these rooms are so unique. When you were with your builder, architect, and the project manager because everyone's so important. How did, did they have these details early on? Or did you have, let's say, 75% of it done, and then as you got a little deeper, you told them? Because sometimes people say, well, how much should I tell them? Should I let them in on everything? But I haven't picked everything out yet, so I'm not sure. I think that's something, when you're doing an entire home, there's a lot of complexities. How much should you really let your builder and architect and project manager know early on? I live by the 75% rule. So usually I, I give myself 75% of stuff that's set in stone that I know is going to stay in place. Then I leave about a 25% wiggle room for things that can change on the fly. And a lot of times that has to do with how color influence happens based on sunlight directionals. And also, like, for example, when we when we first when I was first choosing the color collection from HGTV Home by Sherman Williams, when we were doing the paint layout, I... I really took a liking to this color called spiced cider, which is the one that's used in the master bedroom. It's yeah, a really, it's, cool. it's a really, it's a, it's a really rich shade of rust. Very autumn um, too. That is that that speaks. That is like you said, you were talking about like earth tone colors and bringing the outside in. That is very autumn, it, and it really, to me, that enhances the entire area. Th that's what I wanted. I wanted the master bedroom to feel enveloped in autumn because that's when the, that's when you have those brisk mornings and evenings when you can have all, you can have the windows open. You can start using the hot tub, which is just outside the master bedroom. But mm. at first, um, I had told my boss at the time, I think what I want to do here is I want to cover all of the main the main living area in a rust tone because it's unhurt. It's something that like really makes me think of the West and gold mining and copper and um, and my boss at first was like. I don't. I, I could just see a lot of people finding it to be too much. So what happens was with the twenty-five seventy-five rule, I, I decided I was going to flip flop back and forth. I was either going to use the spiced cider on all the walls in the great room and let it let it be like enveloped in this really warm rust tone, and then do the master bedroom in a really warm shade of gray, or flip flop. So as as we made our way through it, and the host of the series, Allison and I got back with our builder Bear and our architect Kevin, and we started to see the different types of lights in we, we would see the lighting which the the most beautiful light there is winter because you have the pure white blankets of snow outside enhancing all the colors yep. then uh in the spring things start to you know the, the blue comes out a little Changes. bit more and yep. yeah so we decided okay we know for a fact some people will have an aversion to orange anything so let's go ahead and let the orange be in the master bedroom which is going to be a smaller space it's a more privatized space it's more cocoon like and let's stick with this warm gray in the main rooms. And the whole reason we were successful is because we live by the 25-75 rule. I think as long as you keep some flexibility, things should change because the last thing you want is any room to look forced. That is like that, is, that yeah. means you've completely not done your job. If things look forced, it doesn't look natural. So I, I, that's my rule, 75-25, being involved from the beginning. So and tell, and, tell, and tell everyone listening how awesome is, is that hot tub. Because that hot, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at a at a picture of of it now, and I'm and I'm I'm saying to myself, I'm like, okay, 
sitting in that hot tub outside of your master looking at that view, that's crazy. That's, that's nuts. Isn't it? And also think about what that's like days after being oh. on the slopes. Like it's oh. almost like living, it's almost living in a four or five star hotel. And at first I, my team and some of my friends at HGTV, we were apprehensive about how orange the cedar was. Cause that's a Scandinavian style round cedar tub, which you find in a lot of the Nordic countries. Like you'll find them all over Sweden and you'll find yep. them in Norway and Finland and Iceland. And, uh, what what at first um i was really hoping it was going to come much more brown or gray brown but it, it ended up being super cedar and i wanted to sand it and stain it and then i realized a lot of the locals are like brian within the next six months it's gonna yeah gonna, it's gonna it's gonna get darker it's gonna it's gonna see the snow it's gonna yep. get the wind and so anyway long story short we did for this project that we did last week at the house we went back and we photographed the house in winter and uh we finally, my photographer and my styling team and I, we decided to style like style that area like crazy, and we were able to shoot it with like nothing but snow all around it. And oh. it is, I I think I'm gonna post it on Monday on my Instagram, and I think it, I'm hoping it's probably gonna be like one of the biggest performing post feeds on my Instagram because it just it's so it's like very uh, like emotive, just like that. When you look at it, you just it makes you feel like, hey, I want to go there. I don't want to check my emails. Everything's gonna be fine if I can sit in that hot tub and. That's why we chose it. It was one of the biggest expenses, but I, I truly felt like if we didn't have a really forward, like a fashion-forward hot tub here, here, and we just did something that was like fiberglass, but I don't you think need it would have that. Been. That is when you think of a home that is out west, rustic outdoors. You think of that cedar hot tub, and that's. I mean, to me, I think you nailed it. They're staining it. No. That is absolutely gorgeous. Like my, my cousin, he loves hot tubs. He's a, he's a hot tub connoisseur. <laughs> yes, because my back sucks and everything hurts at forty. So I love hot tubs. Yes, yes. I'm like, thank I'm, you, John. I'm, yes, because no, I'm saying I'm like that's an Anthony hot tub. Like honestly, God, I look at it, I'm like ah, oh, that's that that is Ant. He oh, would love me, that. I, I've already talked to Brian about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm um, glad to hear you guys say that because one of the what because lately I've been a big blocker on Instagram. I, I have no tolerance for negativity, and I got like randomly some person last week decided to send me a direct message that said, "An orange hot tub? What uh, were you thinking?" And, and I wanted to say, first of all, everybody's monitor is calibrated differently. Like, yes. you, it's possible you're looking at something that's tangerine orange. This hot tub is just cedar. It's, it's cedar. Like, it's it's yeah, but, it's like brown with a few orange undertones. Listen, the the, I'm glad you like that. the the wood has color tones to it, yes. But anybody who chooses to say, the first thing that someone chooses to say about a wooden hot tub is that it's orange instead of that it's cedar. <laughs> they don't know what they're, they talking, no clue about. they're talking about. Those are the things that I was saying before when I started my comment about ignoring these things because it's 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 ridiculous. You can't like you can be. Like you can critique someone with positivity. I, I would have done something differently. Did you consider that? But like just being negative to be negative is—it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It, and there's no and the, the, there's nothing good that can come of it. And the other thing no. is, the internet is kind of permanent. It's like you—if you—you know—if you have children or if you are a young person who's leaving negative comments, and eventually you're going to be up for job interviews. <laughs> if somebody—if somebody screen grabbed something really rude you wrote to somebody on Instagram or on Facebook. That's there forever. Like nobody thinks about like the foreverness of just being mean for the sake of being mean. We can all capture what you said, and eventually it's going to come up and haunt you. So yeah, but Brian, those people that are being that mean, do you ever think they're really up for big jobs? Because I I, that level of negativity, you're not going for the big job. It's just not going to happen. That's absolutely spot on. Like 
I don't know a single person, even you guys. I mean, we only met once in person in California when you guys were judges on Science Star. I think it wasn't it you guys at Daisy Fuentes. Do you, do you remember that? You remember when you guys were judges and Sarah Peterson was there? We were, you were, you were I, yeah, we do. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but that, um, what I've realized is the people that I surround myself with, the other other designers or other production designers, interior designers, decorators, and stylists, I, I never ever see a mean comment left from those people no, anywhere no, on the internet. No. It's never people that are actually doing the stuff. It's people that are, you know, that are home, uh, that are or not home, or just sitting around not doing stuff. So that's why you just can't let it get to you. A hundred, a hundred percent, Brian. This house came out absolutely insane. incredible. Guys, I hope you were able to take a little bit of the knowledge from this man's fast working mind uh, as he put it to use here on another very, very successful project. We will have all Brian's social media links in the show notes again. We will also have uh, links to the HETV Dream Home 2019 sweepstakes Um we can't uh, we can't try and win this thing because we're part I of the family, I, but I highly recommend <laughs> that one of you uh, sign up and, and give it a go because it doesn't cost you a dime and it's a it's a gem. And, and Brian, no. t- tell everybody total overall like if they did win this, I want the overall what they are winning the total prize package because it, it is pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's that there's been a bunch of articles written about it too. How this is the most expensive uh, HGTV dream home ever and the largest HGTV dream ever. So, the valued, um, the whole value package is over two million dollars. And what it includes is the house, which I think is roughly three hundred thirty-six hundred, three thousand six hundred fifty square feet. And yeah. also, you also win a car and you win two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash from Quicken Loans. So, like, it's like you, it's like there, there's nothing to think about. It's like, oh, the taxes are taken care of because you are winning two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash. There's a car to get yourself around Whitefish, and all the furniture is included. And so, basically, in order to do it, people just have to go to hgtv.com, and they have until February eighteenth to sign up to win. And you can enter, you can enter up to two times a day, and it's totally done at random. So, people need to stop messaging me and say. Hey, my sister really, really wants to have nothing to do with me. I'm done. I'm Brian done is my, not uh, picking the winner. I'm oh, not picking the winner. My I have God. nothing to do with that. That's amazing. <laughs> Love it, man. Thank you so much. This was great hearing about it. Uh, well, it was great speaking to you guys, too. And always keep me in mind. I'm happy to do this. These conversations are a lot of fun. Yeah, they're super fun, man. I, I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. You guys have a great day. And I, I guess I'll see you on the internet. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Bye. Later. Hey guys, real quick before you go, we just want to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening.